we're in a series right now that I'm really thankful for. Uh, this is, uh, by and large, I used to avoid this subject. We didn't do a series on finances in over a year and a half, and we're talking about things. And as God has been stirring on me, one of the reason, reasons why I think this series is so important is because God uses money to move in your life. Um, you care about money. You, you fight for your money. You work for your money. You protect you know, like you, everything. You're saving for your money. You're, you have dreams and goals and aspirations. And um, it's not your money. It's his. If you've given your life to the Lord. And so now how do you use money as a resource to allow the Lord to move in and through your life? It's important. Two weeks ago, we talked about tithing. I was really weird. I don't often like many of my messages, but I liked the one two weeks ago. I was like, I left. I was like, this is a really good message. And then last week, um, we talked about stewardship, and I got in the car, and I hated it. I was like, this is the worst message I think I've done in years. And that was the one that all of you guys emailed the church and said that it was good. So I'm really frustrated with that. This, um, I believe God is um, doing a lot with, with me. And so I, I'm going to be honest, in, in 10 years of our church, I don't think I've ever spoke on this, mostly because this subject is one that I feel like has been abused by New Testament churches. We're talking today about sowing and reaping. And uh, I, I think I've tried to protect our church so much from it because it's been such an abused subject but I need you to understand, sowing and reaping is actually a massive strategy in my life that I've used to allow God to move in my life. And so as your pastor, I want you to understand some of the things that me and Teresa do behind the scenes that God moves in our life with. And um, so yeah, I'm just going to put this out there. Is that cool? Uh, we're gonna, we're, I'm going to preach longer than normal today because God's doing a lot of things in my life that I've got to show you. And sowing and reaping. Matthew talked about this. No, Jesus talked about this in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Uh, and he would use three different parables. He would talk about the, the sower, the, the farmer who uh, sowed seed. Remember he said, um, and, and the seed fell amongst the rocky ground and the thorny ground. And, and he, he's using this as an illustration. And then the next one he would say in another story, Matthew 13, just, just down from it, uh, Jesus told another parable. And the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in a field. And then the enemy came and sowed um, bad seed. And, and then there's another parable just after that. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in a field. And I just want you to know, again and again, Jesus would tell parables about finances. We would see finances throughout the New Testament. Thou more than 2,000 verses in the Bible are attributed to finances. What you need to know is that it's important that your church talks about finances because you're talking about finances. Your restaurant that you're going to after church is talking about finances. Everything, a lot of things in our life are centered and focused around finances. And uh, you need to know that it's a massive opportunity for you to use to see the kingdom of God advanced in and through your life Amen. is through finances. Amen. I care about it. Money matters. Amen. Let's remember this before. This will be the foundational scripture for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, church, the apostle Paul said. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, that's a kingdom principle any farmer would tell you. If you only put a little bit of seed out, Jack, you're only going to get a little bit of a harvest. 
The more you sow, the more... We have some farmers actually here today, and they'd say, you want to buy more land, get more seed into the ground. Amen? Amen. This works in kingdom principles. Cool. Let's pray. Hey, Jesus. Please help. Amen. Amen. It's my heart's desire to see Jesus move in every arena of your life. What we have to be careful of is that there, we don't compartmentalize areas and avenues of our life and keep them from Christ. Finances is one of those areas that if we're not careful, we can keep from Jesus. I'm going to start off with a powerful story about one of my favorite biblical characters. His name is uh, uh, Elijah, and in 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're going today. 1 Kings chapter 17. There's going to be several things that I probably pronounce wrong, so here we go. Um, the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zavarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow to feed you. I love that part. That's going to come back around. I instructed a widow to feed you. So he went to Zavarephath and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, could you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Sure. Uh, I imagine that like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm, I would be annoyed with Elijah in this story if I'm the widow, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I'm working you want me to go, you're doing nothing. Get off your own keister, go get yourself a water, and while you're at it, bring me some food. Okay, so, but she said, uh, there's some marriage uh, counseling going on in that little chapter there, I just want you to know. Uh, so, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook the, this last meal and then my son and I will die. Uh, I, I, I just want to stop there. I don't know if this lady is being uh, overly dramatic. It feels like it. Um, but I know that when things are bad in our life, it feels like there's no hope and God can't do anything. And I think this woman is, this woman is speaking from a perspective of lack and of great need and without the understanding of what God could do on any given moment in our life. And it's kind of unfair how we get a snapshot of her front yard, but can't see our own. You know what I mean? Because if we're, if, whether you realize it or not, you've said this statement. Just, I mean, well, I mean I'm, everything's going to be over and I'm, I'm going to die. And, you know, you just didn't use, anyway, okay, here we go. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead. And do just what you've said. Make a little bit of bread for me first. Man, this guy's got some cojones. Uh, I, think, I, I don't like this guy. I've got to be honest with you. Um, uh, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, and there will always be flour and olive oil left in your container until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops will grow again. So she did this as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil in their, left in their containers, just as the Lord 
had promised through Elijah. I don't know um, why the Lord needed her to give in order to find an unlimited supply, but he asked. He made her resources down to almost nothing in order to provide a breakthrough. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm sure that there's areas in your life where you see a great lack and God has placed it that way so that you can see his supply. It's also important for me to tell you that though this sermon is largely about finances, it's not about money. In fact, it's never about money. It's always about your heart. It's always about your life. We just make it about money. So today I'm just coming right for it, but it's really not about, you're going to hear this further and further. It wasn't about the flour in her jar. It wasn't about the water that he wanted in his cup. It wasn't about the oil. It was, it was about her life. And it was about her recognizing that God can do anything. In this story, um, I, I thought it was funny. Uh, I heard, you know, the, the story that Jesus would say about the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I wonder if anyone told Elijah that, you know, like, like, hey, as you, as you're about to die, don't feed me first. Um, but what I love about it is that woman lived that life. She put Elijah first and she found herself not last, but actually taken care of. Um, in your life, I wonder, can you eat last? Can you help others? Make sure they're taken care of before you are. Um, you'll never go without when you put other people first. It's a principle. It's a heart of the Father. He loves, he loves, he loves to see his children taken care of. One of my uh, favorite verses is um, when it's a proverb, and it says that um, those that give to the poor lend to God. Uh, I don't know about anyone that I want to be indebted to me, <laughs> but um, I'm just kidding. I know that I'm not, the Lord is not in debt to me, uh, but, but I am forever indebted to him. But it is cool to know that when I give and I put others first, uh, God is going to put me first. Think about that for a second. Okay, cool. So in this passage, there are three things that keep standing out to me. The obedience that Elijah had, the obedience that the widow had, um, the faith that was required by both of them to see a miracle take place in both of their lives, and then the harvest, the outcome of potential unlimited gatherings. I don't know why, but that's what keeps coming up. And so I'm actually going to abandon the story in a second, but I, I think it is significant that the Lord did speak to this woman um, that she was going to take care of someone. But I think it's funny that the prophet Elijah spoke, hey, I want you to feed me first. It's funny how the word of the Lord would come through someone else and how difficult it is for us to trust other people in our life. It's one thing for God to speak to you and say, hey, um, take care of this person. It's another thing for someone else to come to you and say, I think the Lord wants you to help this. I think the Lord wants you to help me. How difficult it is, you know, like if you have like a homeless guy standing out on the curb and said like, hey, God, God will bless you if you, anyone else get that memo? Uh, you know, when the guy's literally saying God's going to bless you if you take care of me and we're like, yeah, I'm not helping that guy because it's his fault that he's there. 
it's always all of our fault that we got to where we are in our life because we sow and we reap. And so I don't have finances because I wasted them. Or I, I'm in a bad relationship because I didn't invest in it. Or I am, I'm always where I'm at in my life because I sowed and I, I reaped. Ah, that's for another day. Okay, cool. I got to stay focused. My first point today is um, I want to make sure that in anything you do, you obey the Lord. Obey the Lord with your finances. Obey the Lord with your finances. Obey the Lord. Elijah obeyed the Lord when he told this lady, hey, God wants you to sacrifice in your life. And this woman obeyed the Lord when she recognized that she needed to. And I think, by and large, a lot of us in our life would love to say, I obey God in the area, in the arena of my life in finances. But I just want you to know that finances is a powerful tool where you can move God in your life. I keep repeating that because I want you to understand that we are not taking an offering today. This is not for our church. If you're visiting today, hey, I want you to know there's a church down the street you can give to. There is a neighbor in your, that you have who lost their dishwasher this week or their car or like you can give anywhere and find the Lord moving back in your life. This principle is not for today, but it's actually a lifetime principle uh, tithes and offerings. I also want to make sure you understand that um, offerings is something that we think is largely Old Testament. Oh man, it's so not Old Testament. Put it this way. There's a reason why every church in America has tithes and offerings written on every envelope, okay? Because you can still give offerings and see the Lord move in your life. I'm going to come back to that also. Can we pray again? Lord, I, um, what we want is to hear you. What we want is to see you in our life. What we want is to experience your presence and your power and everything that we're doing. What we want is to remember that you're alive and that you care about everything that I'm doing and that you use us to let other people know what we have already known, and that's how good you are and how faithful you are and how much you love us. Let us use the resources in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not about money. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is, uh, the story of Abraham is probably the second most important story in all of the Bible, next to Jesus. And so the story of Abraham is so powerful because God gave him this promise that he had wanted his whole life. And he finds himself super old and with a child. And after he receives the child, the Lord says, now it's great that you got what you wanted, but now I want your child. And, that, and that's a message for all helicopter parents here in this room. Uh, I know you're protecting your child with every fiber of your being, but you need to know that that child is not yours. In fact, it is the Lord's. And what we find here is the Lord is always going to ask for what you won't let go of. And in this story, we find Abraham being asked to give his son Isaac. And Isaac is on the altar of his life. And uh, what I love about this story is Abraham is giving an offering. His son is the offering. This isn't about money. This is far greater than money. This is our dreams. These are our moments. Now, what's important about this story is as Abraham is about to sacrifice his son Isaac, the Lord spares his son and says this 
in Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. And the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven, and this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, and your descendants will, con- will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through their descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Read this with me. All because you have obeyed me. In this story, we find uh, Abraham obedient. And because he's willing to let his life down, God moves in his life in a crazy way. In scripture, we find people, um, there's a lot of stories about generosity throughout the scripture, like the widow that would give two mites. And the story of, um, the, the, the same story of the rich man who gave a massive sacrifice, but the widow gave everything she had. And what's moving in God's life is not this big sacrifice, but this big, small sacrifice. Abraham was blessed because he obeyed God. What I want you to know is that your finances, please, is not yours, it's the Lord's. And it's super important for us as New Testament believers to understand one principle. You are not the Lord of your life anymore. You have to let the Lord speak into your life and lead you, reveal himself through every area of your life. And so when God speaks to you about anything, please let him lead you. You're not in charge of you anymore. Fair? You still like me? Okay. Obey the Lord. We see Noah obeying the Lord. We see the little boy with two fish and five loaves. All of these people are finding themselves in this scenario where they're giving an offering to the Lord, and it's really their life. And it's really like something like, and we don't even know what the return's gonna be. We just find them giving something to the Lord and he honors it and there's this huge multiplication. But it's not always, hear me, because there's been abused in the subject. A lot of people have preached that if, if you give $5 today, you're gonna win a new car. And I think that that's the mindset. But we don't even know what the little boy got back from giving the two fish and the five loaves. But what we know is that the gospel was preached that day and thousands of people were fed and taken care of and saw the provision of God because someone let something go in their hand. He sowed. Something happens when we give something big in our life. This is my message right here. So I kind of said all that to get me to this point. Please obey the Lord. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. My prayer for us at the Way Community Church is that you have a breakthrough in your faith. It's my second point today, that you have a breakthrough in your faith. This woman had it when she was willing to believe God for, uh, with, with the oil and with the bread and with the flour. And I wonder where the breakthrough is going to take place in your life. Here's the problem that I see in the New Testament believers. The things that we're offering don't cost us anything. And in doing so, it's almost like we can walk by sight and not by faith in Christ. What I mean is, I'm giving to the Lord, but I'm giving out of my surplus in my life. And so what we think is that we're gonna have the God of the universe move on a situation in our life when what we're giving them doesn't cost us anything. 
King David said in 2 Kings at the very last book in, in 22, 22, he, he said, but, but I will surely buy it from you for a price for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, that which cost me nothing. And he's trying to give a, an offering at the end of his life that's gonna honor God and he realizes I'm the king of Israel. It's gotta cost me something. I love the story when they're trying to move the Ark of the Covenant and they realize it's gonna cost offering after offering and they're sacrificing bull after bull after bull. They would pick up the Ark of the Covenant and move it six steps and put it down and sacrifice another animal. All to move the spirit of God in our lives. This isn't making sense yet. What I found is um, in Christianity here in America, it's, it's, this is my life verse. It's uh, Galatians chapter six, verse seven and eight. And he says this, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. But what you sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh corruption. But what you sow of the spirit, you'll reap of the spirit bountifully. It's kind of a weird start. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Don't be fooled. It's not God's fault that where we are, where we are spiritually. It's really odd to me that we have a relationship with the God of the universe and we're bored. How, how is that possible? And I think what's happening is because we're serving God with our eyes closed and our ears closed with no faith. We're not believing for anything. Friends, when the widow gave the last of her flour and oil to Elijah, I want you to know she was 100% alive. And as she was making that food for him, she was praying. Her prayers were mattering. They were significant in that moment. When Abraham knew and he marched his son up the hill, he was alive in Christ. Remember this, he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. I wonder, how are you sowing? right now in your life? Are the things that you're giving to God, does it require any faith in your life? Can you foresee any kind of breakthrough in your life spiritually because of what you're sowing, not just in your own life, but in the lives of others? Does what you're doing in your life require any level of faith at all? Because a farmer, it requires a lot of faith for a farmer to both buy the seed that he's about to stick in the ground and have no idea whether it's gonna work and how long he keeps it in the ground. He is working that land. He is intentional about the way that he lives because he has a dream of a harvest. This isn't a get-rich scheme, sowing and reaping. It's an offering to God and asking him to move in our life and move on our life and move through our life and move in our life. It's not a finance at all. It's actually our life. Many of us, you, 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 you spend your life to get money. You're giving your time to get money. You're giving your resources to get money. He doesn't want your money. He wants your life. And what we need to do is get our life on the altar and believe that God would do something through us. And many of us, are, we have nothing on the altar of our life. Let me time out there and make sure you understand this. I don't have to do anything to get God to love me. He loves me. I don't have, Jesus paid the ultimate price. He was the offering for me. Do you understand that? A wise man once said that salvation is free, but discipleship is going to cost you everything. And the one thing that Jesus rebuked of his disciples again and again and again was their lack of faith. 
Because when we're not believing for nothing, there's no way we're gonna see or experience a supernatural God doing supernatural things at all. Like it's, it, There's gotta be things that cost you something for others to have a breakthrough in your life. And for many of us, there's nothing on the altar of our life. Christianity has become easy and simple and boring. And it's just not the New Testament gospel that the disciples lived. But if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And be not deceived, God's not mocked. It's not God's fault. You are where you put yourself spiritually. And what I mean by this is this, not being mean. But if you don't have a relationship with the word of God, it's gonna reflect in your passion and enthusiasm for him. If you don't have a, 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 a specific prayer life where you're talking and, and, and meeting with God, it's going to be really hard to be on, on fire for him. And we want to love God, but everything in our life is comfortable. And as Jesus is looking down at the widow, he's always loving those that are giving everything. This is the faith that moves God. The scripture says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I want you to understand he's already moved. He's already right now. He's here with you right now. But if you want to see God move in, what has to happen is you have to let go of the things that you love. We give up things we love for things we love more. And when you love finances and you love building your kingdom and your house and your XYZ, you've got to untie some of those things that you're passionate about so that you can make room for the Holy Spirit to move within you. And I want you to know every time you let go and you make a sacrifice, let me not give to the Lord what cost me nothing, you will find the Lord moving in your life again and again. It's a kingdom principle. And I have found God moving in my life on so many times. When I first met Christ, the Lord called me from Pennsylvania. It was like I just got saved and I left my family and everyone I knew and I moved to Florida and I knew nobody here. And I was on fire for God. And, everyone, and there was, you know, people were like, man, you, Tim, you're so passionate about the Lord. Well, I ain't got nothing. I don't even know most of you guys. All I got is Jesus. Find a way to put your life in the most uncomfortable position alive for Jesus. How do, what does it mean to live by faith? I think it's putting your life in a way where if God doesn't come through, you're in trouble. I want you to know you'll pray a lot better that week. And, and all I'm trying to do is add some coals to the fire of your heart. Now we're living by faith, not by sight, but I can, it's almost like now I can finally see. I can see my harvest because I, I'm believing, because I'm not looking with what I can see, and I'm looking for God in my life, and I'm looking for areas for him to reveal his kingdom and his principle, and, and it's, it's, it's not money, it's in people's lives. Man, I'm gonna keep going. So I prayed about this, and uh, I wanted to share a story with you. This is, um, it's kind of a weird story. It's, it's, a, it's a story of where we are today as a church. So um, I want you to know, I never, oh man, I hate talking about me. So I'm sorry, but I feel like it's important for you to understand that as a pastor, sometimes you have to see like what kingdom looks like in your life. And so I'm just going to show you my life. Uh, This is my my closet here. It's kind of ugly. Several years ago, um, we started the church. 
I never really wanted to be a pastor. I've never dreamed of being a pastor. I, I really like people. I like talking to people about Jesus. I realized that I was pastoring without a title. That's kind of how I got to be where I am. People kind of, many of you guys that still go to our church kind of forced me into this position. I'm still angry at you for it. We're still taking applications for anyone that wants to take over the church, by the way. Not joking. Um, I had another job, and it was comfortable, and I was making a good wage doing this other job. And what we realized is that the church was growing, and many people within the church would constantly explain to us that at some point, we're going to have to quit that job and be here. But the church couldn't afford to pay me what I was making at my job. And so we had to keep making sacrifices to be here. I would take a pay cut at work, and the church did raise uh, me to a salary that was um, decent, right, Brady? Praise the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and I was really grateful for that, and it helped offset and helped me compensate in the area that I was having a hard time believing. So when you know, sometimes you gotta take baby steps. Baby steps. All right, God, I'm gonna trust you a little bit more. Um, and so we got to the point where we realized, oh no, we're gonna have to jump. And the church couldn't afford to take us on anymore. We were gonna lose our insurance and, and a, lot of, a lot of money to the point where it was gonna be uh, more than $1,000 a month that we would lose by being here and quitting the other job. It was a big faith job. And it was hard. It was actually really terrifying for me as the provider and the bread bringer for my family. But it wasn't about money. We wanted to reach people it wasn't like, how can I provide for my family? It was, Lord, what about the loss? Like, we want to make sure that people are crazy in love with you. That's, that's what's important. And it felt like God was calling us. And everyone around me knew it, but I couldn't see it for myself. This is what all of, all of your friends know your, God's will for your life, but you, just so you know. This is the way it always works. So the Lord um, and I and Teresa sat down at a table one day, and Teresa said to me, hey, Tim, um, I'm going to... She has, was working here, and also she was doing this other little side thing, and she said, I'm going to need you to make sure that you know that it's not my job to provide the funds that we're believing that God's going to provide. And, I, and that was a really big breakthrough for me to, to remind myself that, like, we are every month going to have to trust God. Well, we lost a few thousand dollars just about every month for the first year. Praise God. So I don't, we're not in debt, and we've never been in debt. And um, disclaimer, this is three years ago. And uh, we had put aside, kind of like the story of Joseph, my wife is really good with money. We had set aside finances and every month we were able to withdraw from that um, to keep us going. But what was neat was every month, while it was still terrifying because we were losing money, it was super empowering because the reward we were receiving wasn't financial, but it was on the promise of God to see people's lives changed. People were falling more in love with Christ. People were getting more passionate about their calling. People were reading the word of God more. People were praying more. And it was like, man, God, you are, you're building your kingdom and you're using us to be a part of it. Um, that was three years ago and um, we still haven't taken a pay raise. And God has provided for us in the coolest of ways again and again and again because it's never been about money. But there's a scenario where you're going to be terrified because you feel like you're going to lose something if you let go. And that's not the way the kingdom works. Money is v worthless to him. Like, you understand, heaven is built with streets of gold. 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like money is not like he'll give you shavings from 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 Fifth Street, you know, in heaven, and uh, and you'll do just fine. Like you, he's gonna work it out. The problem is, is that you 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 you're you're scared of losing something that he's not scared, uh, but he wants to use you. And so I want to talk about the harvest here quick, and then we'll close. We still okay? First thing I need you to do is always recognize that you need to obey the Lord. The second thing I think is important is that um, that God wants to increase your faith. Because if you don't have faith, many of you are sleepwalking and you're bored spiritually. And the moment you actually make a sacrifice, you'll wake up and your prayers will have fire on them and you'll be alive. The offering is not your money. It's you. Paul said in Romans chapter 12 that our lives should be a living sacrifice. Now, finally, your heart is burning because you got something on the altar. And the Lord, this is not like, but I want you to know if you put corn in the ground, you'll get corn. Finances will come. But if you're looking for money, you, you, you missed the point. Uh, he's not worried about that. This is the last part I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna take you to New Testament giving in 2 Corinthians chapter nine. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And he's explaining to them some things about finances that I think is really cool. He says this, for I know your eagerness to help and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you were in Arcadia and we were giving, and we were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Let me just stop there. I think it's pretty, when other pastors, like I have some pastors in California and some other pastors come here, they think it's funny that we don't take an offering and um, God is still providing. Even like this year, like is, the things that God has done in our church is really, really cool. Your giving is contagious and it's been just supernatural to see what God has done financially in our life this year. And I just wanna thank many of you who have taught me faith through your giving. I love you for that and for many other things. Verse number six. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember, giving is not a requirement of salvation. Uh, you're saved because of the grace of Jesus Christ alone. You don't have to give anything ever. You can be as stingy as you want, still get to heaven. But if you want to see God move in your life, there's a really beautiful way you can do it and you can let go of some things. God loves a cheerful giver. He enjoys a cheerful giver. And I want God to enjoy me and I want to enjoy God. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I think that verse right there goes unread far too often. Uh, and it's just reminding us the unlimited potential that God has to do whatever he wants to do in our life at any given moment. It doesn't feel like that. It often feels like God has just ran out of all of his resources right before he got to me. Like he's passing out money to everyone in church and he stopped right there in that corner back there. Like, sorry, bro, we'll get you next week. You know, uh, he's, he, he has enough. As it is written, they have freely scattered the gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your storehouse, your, your store of seed, and will enlarge your harvest uh, of your righteousness. 
And I, I, I just think that this is cool because I, I do believe that as you give, there's something growing inside of you. It's your love and enthusiasm and passion for Christ as you let go. And that's, that is the harvest. That's the harvest. I'm in love with God again. Every time I give, I let go. I'm so thankful that God blessed me. I'm giving to you and I walk away in love with Christ. What a gift. You will be enriched in every way so that you can give generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I also love that because through your generosity, someone else is praising God, which is even cooler. So I bless you and I walk away feeling pretty pumped because God, you just used me to do something significant in someone else when their car broke down and we fixed their transmission. What a miracle that she's gonna get to go to work today because you used me. And then they walk away going, God, you are faithful and you provided for me. And I got to be the reese, the hands and feet of Christ. Please, let's keep the kingdom of God moving, church. Keep your hands open. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for your obedience that accompanies your confession to the gospel of Christ. I, I think that's my favorite part. I'm not gonna cry. Uh, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers, you, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of your surpassing grace of God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I just want you to know, every time you bless someone, they love you. You want someone to pray for you? Be there for them in one of the worst moments of their life. They'll never forget it, and they'll always love you. This is how I'm gonna close. I said all that to say this. I want you to know that it's most important that you obey God, but I recognize that many of you would obey God if you heard him, but that's why an offering is like, it's not something he's commanding you to do. It's something that's only gonna happen by faith. So you have to activate your offering. Right. Obey God. I wanna see a breakthrough in your faith so that way your passion and enthusiasm is activated. And uh, then I believe there's gonna be a harvest in your life. So here's, here's what we wanna do. This is my close. It's gonna be the weirdest close ever. This is not about money, but I believe that sowing and reaping is kingdom principle. There are other arenas of your life that you need to sow in. That's not even financial. Some of them are people. Some of them is your marriage. Many of us can be sitting here today very frustrated with the current situation or relationship that you have. And I want you to know, you can invest in that. And just as hard as it was for me and my bride to go as far as we did in faith, believing God for a breakthrough in our finances, it may take you weeks and even months. That's the way seed time and harvest goes. Oftentimes, it's not an instant return. You may sow in your relationship with your wife and have to keep sowing and keep plowing and keep working and keep farming, and it may take months for you to receive the return or a year. 
I want to see everyone in this room reap the harvest, especially in relationships in our lives. And there are people right here that you have to invest in. So this may not, maybe it is a finance that you, maybe you invest, you sow some flowers into your bride um, or a date night or a vacation or who knows what, but do it. The second thing is this. Um, Some of you are going to have some callings here. And when we say be not deceived, God is not mocked. I think that some people have mistaken the Lord as like a vending machine. What I mean is, there's a call of God on your life and it's gonna cost you something. If you wanna reach the lost or you wanna be effective on any level for his kingdom, you're not just gonna like give an offering and be anointed. You're not gonna just read the Bible one time and be anointed. It's gonna cost you your life. Many of you want to grow spiritually or have this great calling, but you've not invested in your relationship with Christ or in that calling. If you want to reach people for the lost, but you've only shared your faith one time in the last six months, you're probably not going to be effective in a year from now because you haven't sowed today. You'll reap there what you sow here. And so I think by and large, what we've got to get better at is sharing with other people in the Beloved the dream and the call of God that God's placed on our life. And maybe they'll do it with us. Like, hey, I, I want to have a better relationship with God, but I don't know how to read the Bible. Well, that's good. We're going to sign up for this Bible devotion plan and we're going to read it together every day. And it's going to email me every time you read it and every time you don't. And we're going to check this out. We're going to grow together. If you want, what we're praying over our church right now as a staff, over our, our elders, is that our church is on fire for God. We're the, we're the offering. And I think we have to move our lives to a place where we can actually sow us to get to a point where we're hungry for God. I don't know if I said this in this service or in the last service or not, but I think that it's a tragedy that we have a relationship with a supernatural God and we're bored. He's not boring. It's just our effort is boring. And that's what happens in marriage. And that's what happens at work. When your effort goes to here, so does your enthusiasm about it. Your life is the offering. And we gotta pour it out. Would y'all bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Thanks guys for being patient with me. Um, This is the last week of Money Matters. And... uh, I really felt like God wouldn't let me off this subject. I carried it for the last month. I believe in seed time and harvest, and I believe in sowing and reaping. I believe in offering. And I believe that the Lord wants to move in your life, and for some of you, you love Jesus, but you don't know what he's doing in your life. And it may be because we don't know what you're doing in your life. I'm begging you to move. Move your heart. Move your faith. Step out of the boat and walk on water a little bit. You'll see your prayer life will ignite. There are some things in your life that you can let go of that would awaken passion in your life because it will cost you something. It might be your time. It might be your emotions. 
It might be some finances. I believe the Lord wants to move in your life.